Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome again to the Rising is One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns back this week, and I'm here with Aaron Blau and Mark Murray of Firebird Soccer. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Having a great Labor Day weekend uh, and enjoying uh, some uh, some rest time here. Oh yeah, it's a great great break before the uh, the final stretch around the season. Being able to do some non soccer related things and. Um, just relax. For sure. For sure. So nice to always sleep in on a Monday morning. That never happens. So let's get into team news before we do anything else. Um, no match this week for Phoenix Rising, but still a couple things worth talking about. Um, the USL team of the week came in from last week, and as expected, we had a couple players get recognition they deserved. Gladson Awako makes the USL team of the week for the first time this season. I believe he'd been a reserve once before, but this is his first time making the starting 11, and he was the only player to make the starting 11. I think that's very well-deserved uh, with his performance against Colorado Springs. Um, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in last week's podcast. Uh, he really uh, um, slid into the role that uh, that Solomon Asante generally holds uh and with uh, asante being out uh resting on injury he really stepped into the role of playmaker and it was just a really interesting cross that he was playing in terms of style a little bit of asante style a little bit of uh Rigi style and really took charge on the field uh especially in the second half of the game yeah i agree with aaron uh i think dominic it was was it you that had the uh, stale tweet early in the uh, oh in the first half? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got called you out for that. Um, of course. And honestly, honestly, I agreed with you uh, for for that first half. It was um, Phoenix didn't seem seem to be really missing Asante's kind of direct attacking style, and then you get the red card, and that that did change the match a lot. But you know, you know Awaka was there at the right time, right place for that first goal, and then. Um, I believe it was Chris Cortez uh, with his his corner kick assist. Uh, you know, he, he he did really well. And you know, the other thing too is, I think I tweeted that early in the second half. So <laughs> I I didn't I didn't realize like during the game that it was a walko with that chip on the free kick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so really, like, yeah, it was a 
suboptimal tweet, but we've all been there. So. Well, it does look a little bit different when you're when you're standing in the stands versus watching it on TV, or or you know even standing on the field and, and having other people with different eyes on it. So uh, we'll forgive you this time. You get a little bit of a pass. <laughs> hey, he redeemed himself big time. Um, also deserving mention is Chris Cortez, who scores in both wins last week. He gets uh, honorable mention for USL Team of the Week. He has been on that list many a time. He's made USL Team of the Week several times. Um, kind of crazy to not make Team of the Week when you score in both matches, but uh, I think the other nominees were fair. There was a guy on Red Bulls that scored a hat trick. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, he's got a little bit of the advantage uh, of playing two games in the week, too. But uh, I will say that I, I feel that uh, um, Jason Johnson got a little bit of a snub uh, for – he played such a huge role in the San Antonio match, had two assists. Uh, of course, those assists were in the latter goals. Maybe the game was already decided at that point. But he played a really, really uh, quite quite a good game um, in, in that particular match. Unfortunately, uh, comes up lame. Uh, early in the uh, early in the second match of the week, so best wishes on a on a quick recovery for him. Been watching a little bit of Instagram. It seems like he's he's uh, getting some good treatment, uh, and hopefully he won't be gone for too long. It's always tough when you have those two match weeks. Uh, you know, something team of the week guy can have a a great second game or a great first game, and and that's what gets him on the list rather than two above-average performances uh, in both games. But, you know, it's for the fans. It's, uh, I'm sure the players know that uh, they did well and uh, the wins are what matter. So speaking of the fans, Dominic, uh, I hear that there was a great Phoenix Rising event this week. Uh, I unfortunately wasn't able to go. I was representing the Red Fury in, our, uh, in the Mesa, uh, small goal soccer match. Uh, which we did win, and uh, I will have to say I did score, uh, so that was worthwhile. But tell us a little bit about uh, what was going on for the fan event. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I couldn't make it. Um, you know, still making sure that the old place was clean and you know life things. But um, this was at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex. They did a scrimmage and gave fans the opportunity to get autographs with the players, get pictures. Uh, hang out with them. I saw some really cool pictures uh, that fans got with, you know, a lot of the great players, getting to meet Drogba, getting good um, autographs and stuff with their favorite players. Uh, Jason Johnson comes to mind, Carl Wazinski. So just a neat event. Um, one of those events that shows what Phoenix Rising is all about as an organization, um, giving the fans the chance to interact with players in a way that all the other clubs in the Valley don't get to do i mean it, it feels like there's a little bit more separation but with phoenix rising it's all a big family and they really have these events that emphasize that so um just a cool thing to see and i think there are a couple more in store so keep your eyes posted uh so that was that was kind of one big uh off-field thing the last thing that we want to talk about before we get anywhere else is um I was talking off air with Aaron and Mark and Aaron made a uh, good point that Blackman, Tristan Blackman had an Instagram post saying he was coming to Phoenix. Would you like to elaborate? 
Yeah, so uh, uh, we did see uh, that we lost Loney Tristan Blackman. Uh, he was recalled to LAFC um, to fit back into um, uh, a defensive spot from a, a player who was heading to Napoli, I believe. What was the guy's name? Uh, C Simon. Simon. Yeah, yeah. Simon, one of their one of their great, uh, quite good players, uh, big name for LAFC. So Simon gets uh, tran uh, transferred to Napoli. Uh, and Blackman gets called back. Uh, not unexpectedly, they don't have a ton of depth in that area. And uh, so we wrote a little article on Firebird Soccer about that, uh, talked about his contribution. He only served for two matches for us, he heads back to LAFC. And then <clears throat> yesterday I see on his uh, Tristan Blackman's Instagram that he is on a direct flight from Toronto to Phoenix. Now he's wearing his LAFC gear, but... I don't understand. There, there's got to be direct flights from Toronto to L.A., so maybe he's on his way back to meet up with the team. Uh, Mark knows a little bit more about the MLS and their transfer or their uh, roster rules, so tell us a little bit about that, Mark. Yeah, so uh, September 14th is the big date for MLS rosters. It's the freeze date for uh, all the teams, which means you know any players on the roster at that point are allowed to uh, play in MLS playoffs and LAFC is going to be in those playoffs. And so, you know, with LAFC uh, having a little less depth on the defensive line, it'll be interesting to see um, what they decide with Blackman, whether they keep him just as insurance uh, in case anything goes wrong, or they'd rather him get more actual playing time with Phoenix. Um, and so I think, I believe we have three matches before that uh, September 14th date. So if this does happen, it will be interesting to see whether it's only for those matches or the rest of the season. And Dominic, this has pretty huge implications for Phoenix Rising because, uh, I mean, using coach's words, at the time before Blackman left, he, in his mind, said, we have four center backs. Um, he said that in relation to when we were talking about um, – uh, Mala's suspension. He said, we have four center backs, and he, Mala's going to have to get smarter if he wants to be playing. Well, now we have three center backs, although it is possible that we could find a James Musa getting moved from defensive midfielder to center back. Uh, you could even have a Kevon Lambert moving into that center back role, and somebody on Twitter actually mentioned that even Amadou Dia could potentially be playing center back. But for all three of those players, for Musa, for Lambert and for Dia. Center back, I don't feel, is their natural position. I would hate to see Dia in a center back position. He's much better on the wing. He's much better playing off of Jason Johnson. Um, and, and having any one of those three players have to move into a center back role, I think is actually, it hurts the team. So Blackman, yeah. having Blackman come back, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's, it's great if it's true. Um, I think the most likely outcome here is, you know, for sure, we have two matches before LAFC's next one. Uh, we play this Wednesday the 5th. We play Saturday the 8th. And they don't have a match until uh, September 15th. Um, so that gives, you know, Tristan Blackman two matches where he can play for us. Um, gives LAFC a chance to evaluate him because, as Mark said, the MLS roster uh, cutoffs is around September 15th. So really... It's a win for us in the short term, and you know maybe they choose to go with another defender for the rest of the season. I mean, one certainly hopes that that's the case, 
but regardless, I think we'll be all right. And it definitely can't hurt to have, you know, Tristan Blackman in our starting 11 against San Antonio this Saturday. Um, as far as like, you know, some of the guys you mentioned as potential center backs, Aaron, I agree. Uh, we saw Almadou Dia at center back last year. That was a quick experiment and it didn't really work too well. And then he did much better back at left back. Um, you know, maybe he has improved his conditioning and stuff this year, his physicality. But I do remember the, the Colorado Springs game last year where he was just muscled off the ball by Kevon Freider um, and they scored a goal that way. So, you know, we will we will see. But um, we definitely hope that Tristan Blackman is able to stay with this squad for some time. So I think that that's pretty much it for team news. Um, well, we have, we have one other little thing, a uh, little piece that, that uh, Firebird Soccer did uh, did pick up and uh, we picked up. Um, for those who those of us who have SiriusXM, there's a great channel called uh, uh, SiriusXM FC. All day, so talk soccer all day, every day. There you have both local hosts and uh, also pick up talk, uh, talk sport from uh, the UK. Um, one of the shows that they have is called the United States of Soccer, and it is with host Jason Davis. Now, the interesting thing about Jason Davis, he pretty much started his media career as a blogger, not too different than what we're doing in Firebird Soccer, started getting picked up in radio, not too different than what we're doing here at Rising Pod, and is now uh, a national broadcaster with his own show on uh, Series XM uh, called the United States of Soccer. So they do... They have a great series or a great feature every week called D Tuesday for Division Two soccer. Last year was a lot more interesting because we had two Division Two leagues. Now we only have the USL at the moment. But this past week he did an interview Phoenix Rising defensive midfielder and potential future center back James Musa, and so he had a a really, really neat interview. It gave a really interesting insight into the mind of a defender. Uh, you know, he's, Davis started out the interview, said, hey, what is the identity of Phoenix? What makes you guys so successful? And he said, goals. Uh, Musa said, goals. That's it. Goals. Um, Davis followed up and said, hey, but you're a defender. You don't get to score goals. And he said, look, my, my role is to connect the game from front from the back to the front players and when it works I get to watch these players score goals and a big part of my position is accepting the fact that we're not going to get the glory and the accolades we uh, might when we score it makes me happy because we know that we've done or that I've done my job well so it was a really interesting interview uh, you can read about it a little bit on Firebird Soccer and uh, definitely if you have SiriusXM take a listen to channel 157 uh, SiriusXM FC uh, they are not a sponsor of either Firebird Soccer or the Rising Pod <laughs> um, but it's a great place to, to hear a little bit more about soccer and get more of your footy fix on a daily basis Yeah, thanks for covering that interview for Firebird Soccer and um, for bringing it up. It's it's cool to hear from a guy like Musa because, you know, as you mentioned before, a lot of the other players are the ones that get the bigger accolades, the guys that are scoring the goals, uh, the Jason Johnsons, even the Billy Forbes of the world, Chris Cortez. And so to hear from James Musa, who's been a good part of our team, um, 
and and especially to hear him talk about his role that way uh pretty neat to see yeah, one of the interesting comments he made too. Now, uh, Musa came to us out of the out of the Swell Park system. Swell Park being the affiliate of uh, Sporting Kansas City, and the question was, you know, hey, uh, Davis mentioned something like, uh, we know that Phoenix Rising wants to go to MLS. Um, how are you guys treated? Musa said, Musa basically said, we're treated just the same as any MLS player is this organization is starting us off starting them off right and that in terms of day-to-day it's all the same principles Um, he did happen to throw in something something he said maybe from the financial point of view there's a difference Uh, (laughs) which there certainly is a pretty big difference in overall um, uh, overall player budgets from MLS to USL but it's good to hear that our team is treating our players right it's good to hear that uh, somebody who came from a different system feels that this this uh, front office is doing things the right way in an MLS style so that they can make the transition easily in the future. Yeah, I uh, can't agree more with that. Um, and we've heard it from other players too that it's basically as close to MLS as you can be on the day-to-day basis. The uh, training that they get uh, after matches, the fact that they have the ice baths to cool off, everything that they do for the players, they put them in the best position to succeed. And, you know, this just confirms what other people have said, uh, which is pretty neat. One small thing um, that maybe people wouldn't even realize or pick up on, but uh, if there are any Serie A fans out there listening, um, I was like, oh, Simon to Napoli? And so I looked that up. He went to Dijon, uh, Liga. Sorry, Dijon, Dijon. So, I, I should um, the mustard. It's the mustard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I was I was a little bit disappointed to see. Oh, he's not in Syria, but uh, just got to set the record straight out there. <laughs> he almost made Belgium's World Cup team. Mm-hmm. He 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 played very very well over there. They was uh, very well respected at LAFC, so it's interesting to see him moving back into the European system um, after coming here. It kind of, you know, it's it's a nice little bolster for for American soccer because, uh, you know, we're so so much seen as the retirement league, and Simon definitely could have been here to retire, um, and here he's going to go, and he's still going to try to to really compete for, you know, uh, Dijon maybe not the best team in the on the planet, but still it's a European league and. Uh, of course, everything European must be better than what we have in the United States, right? Well, um, it's top division, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but but we're making headway. We're making headway. Yeah, yeah. We're doing better here. Um, on on the uh, topic of American soccer, uh, at a more local level, it sounds like there's some exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, and without Phoenix Rising matches to talk about, why don't we get into... GCU men and uh, ASU women. All right, so we'll go ahead and start off with uh, ASU women. 
Uh, AC Women played two two matches this past week. They had a match on Friday versus New Hampshire and Sunday versus Southeast Missouri State. Uh, they did lose one to one to two uh, versus New Hampshire, but they did they did uh, win the the second match yesterday against Southeast Missouri State. Uh, so they're well on their way. Uh, they've got a couple games still before they start their conference uh, conference play on September 26th against California. Upcoming games uh, include Baylor, South Dakota. State, uh, home upcoming home games include Baylor um, and Weaver State. Um, they are actually going to be heading up to the Pines uh, of Flagstaff to play Northern Arizona uh, on September 14th as well. So good things happening over at uh, ASU in the Sun, uh, Sun Devil Soccer Complex over there. GCU women, unfortunately, not having the most successful start to their season. They also played two games this past week. Uh, they played on Friday against UTEP, uh, at UTEP, and, uh, and yesterday against the University of Texas at San Antonio. Uh, they did drop both of those games. That puts them at 0-3 for their past three games, losing also last Sunday against NAU in double overtime to an own goal. So that's a, they are having a rough go of it. Uh, they did lose also at UTSA in, in uh, overtime, uh, 1-2. So GC Women's Soccer having a little bit rough time this uh, next week. They're also away in Greeley, Colorado, and then Fort Collins before returning back to GCU Stadium on September 13th versus Portland State. And I believe, is that a, div uh, I don't know if that's a divisional game, because I, I don't know enough about the WAC um, and what teams are, are in their conference. The team that's doing really well, uh, GCU men, um, who wants to talk about that? Because they are doing something else. Well, the big, the biggest game of the week, and I'll turn, I'll let Mark talk about it a little bit more here. But the biggest game of the week is GCU beating number twenty nationally ranked Creighton for their second upset of the second upset in a row in the preseason. Last week we talked about GCU beating Wisconsin two to one. They beat Creighton on Friday uh, one to nothing off of a sick bicycle kick. Uh, goalie came out. Uh, was was in a poor position, but uh, the player um, uh, with a bicycle kick to score the goal. And uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about what's going on over at GCU. Yeah, so it, it was one of those games that, you know, Grant Keeney might not have been the better team on the field, but, you know, it's the goals that count, and GCU had one more than Creighton. So uh, in the 81st minute, it was uh, Jamie Delore with a, uh, a bicycle kick. He uh, – you know, personally, I, I think he got a little lucky. He uh, he mishit uh, the ball, and it actually bounced straight down uh, into the ground, popped back up into the goal. Uh, the goalkeeper wasn't really expecting that kind of shot. Um, but, the, um, but they scored, and uh, they were able to hold on the last 10 or so minutes. So GCU with their second straight uh, upset. And uh, just this morning, uh, Top Tour Soccer, which is a – nationally known, uh, pretty popular uh, club and college soccer site, put GCU at number 17 in their top 25 poll, which is I mean, a huge deal for GCU and just college soccer in Arizona in general. So it's great to see them off to a great start. Great to see the crowds at GCU Stadium. And hopefully this is the year they uh, make some noise. 
yeah, if, if you haven't checked out that soccer stadium there, it's beautiful. Um, you know, I went for the rising match uh, last preseason over there against GCU men's soccer and great atmosphere, but their their games are getting even more than that. They're getting like over 6,000 people at a lot of these matches. So definitely go for a, a GCU match or two. It's becoming a soccer school, um, kind of like kind of like Akron in the Midwest. Um, if you put the focus on soccer and, you know, Arizona's a beautiful place to play, it looks like the results are starting to come. And uh, good to see GCU win the Evan Waldrop Derby over Creighton. <laughs> I'm sure they're getting a trophy made now. <laughs> you know, it's a really interesting brand of soccer, too. Um, uh, it's very different as we're sort of getting used to um, and, and building a soccer culture in Phoenix, and we're watching Bundesliga on TV or or uh, EPL, or now we can watch East uh, English Championship League games on ESPN Plus or whatnot. The college game is really fast. Uh, it's incredibly fast. The the players move. The, they go all out, and it's all because the substitution rules are very different. Uh, so in in college soccer, in both men's and women's, you can uh, substitute a player they can come out in the first half and go back in the second half. So it's so they're playing a lot faster ball because they actually can have a little bit of a rest period. It definitely takes a little bit of getting used to um, mm-hmm. if, if you're used to more of the international rules, but it's still a very, very entertaining brand of soccer. Oh, yeah. So... Well. Uh, GCU men's uh, is away. Actually, all soccer this week uh, on the Firebird soccer calendar, all of our teams are are dormant except for Phoenix Rising, uh, playing our Wednesday match uh, against um, uh, that we're going to be heading into our preview against RGV. So next time you can catch a GCU men's game, that's going to be on September 13th. It's a Thursday, and it's going to be versus Loyola Marymount, uh, and that should prove to be a really great game. You can catch that game on gcu.tv and also uh, potentially, uh, no, that is not going to be on Cox Your View, that particular match, it looks like. So, gcu.tv. Well, with all that being said, uh, should we talk about USL scores and standings? Let's do it. So a lot of a lot of a uh, scoreboard watching this weekend without Phoenix Rising playing, um, not as much as the other local team, the D-backs, but uh, still some scoreboard watching going on. Um, by the way, fun little stat: Phoenix Rising has scored more goals in the last seven halves scored on their entire seven-game road stand. Um, Thirteen goals in our last seven halves. 12 runs on that entire seven-game road span. Uh, but um, some interesting results. Uh, let's see here. On Well, actually, midweek, Reno gets a big win, 2-1 over Las Vegas Lights. Uh, that was their first win since early July, so keeps them in the top eight. Um, San Antonio gets a 3-1 win on Wednesday over RGB. Colorado Springs beat Real Monarchs on Wednesday 1-0. And that is a match that really helped us out. Um, Chandler Hoffman did not start or play in that match for Real. And Colorado Springs gets an 87th-minute winner from Saeed Robinson 
to steal this one right at the death for us. So that's big. That keeps us only three points back uh, with the exact same matches played. Um, Sounders and St. Louis drew on Wednesday. Swill Park with a 2-1 win over Tulsa. Then you get to the weekend, and Timbers 2 gets a very late winner over St. Louis FC in a match with playoff implications. Fresno and Reno draw 1-1 on Saturday, and Galaxy beats Colorado Springs 3-1. Couple matches on Sunday. Orange County, again, cannot get a positive result. They manage a draw at Sounders 2, but that's a big win for us uh, because now they are one point ahead, but we have a match in hand. Or two Two matches matches in hand, actually. Yes. Um, And then Swill Park... Gets a 1-0 win over OKC. Swill Park, we were talking a couple weeks ago about them being in serious danger of missing the playoffs. Um, as usually happens, they figure things out pretty quick. They now have three straight wins, and they are up to sixth place in the West. Um, there's one match worth watching today. And, well, by the time you guys hear this, it will have already happened. But uh, Real Monarchs versus San Antonio. It's going to be a big one, uh, regardless of the result. San Antonio sitting outside the top eight currently, and Real Monarchs still at the top. Um, they will host San Antonio. So no matter what, there's going to be an interesting result and one that could be fun for us to see. Um, I don't know if any results jumped off the page to you guys before we get into the standings, but um, what were you guys' thoughts on some of the matches? Well, well, obviously the the Colorado win over uh, or the Monarchs is certainly a huge uh, surprising result. Um, that, like you said, uh, Real Monarchs seem to have uh, somewhat fallen back to earth the past uh, probably month or so. There's a couple of holes um, that they've uh, that have opened up. In that team and uh you know something that hopefully we can take advantage of this week uh and then like you said the the seattle sounders two orange county one uh one one draw was, was also surprising and you know just based on you know how those teams look when playing against us is how we can compare them and uh seattle has been rolling out pretty young lineups of academy kids. And so thanks to them, uh, we're in pretty good position at that top of the West. I've been really surprised at the performance at, at Real Monarchs, uh, especially because uh, they have really been the focus of some, some very negative news regarding their their form, now, now former coach, Mark Briggs. Uh, Mark Briggs, who uh, was accused of some uh, assault uh, assaulting his girlfriend back in in uh, May, finally relieved of duty over this past past week. But you know when you have that that cloud that's constantly over your head as a player, and uh, I mean, look, even even us as fan media folks, that's not stuff that we're going to ignore in, in a media scrum. 
what's going on with your head coach, what's going on with the assault allegations, and I'm sure the players were getting the same thing. I mean, look, they're Division Two players, but they still have fans, they're still media, they're still people who are interested in what's going on, and that I'm sure that that weighed on them. Now, the question is, with that distraction out of the way, how are they going to react? Are they going to uh, be the professional club that we've seen them to be and continue to play well, or now that you know maybe somebody who they could have been def- defending in their head is is now gone uh, it, it's really going to be a bit of a mind game related to what happens with the real monarchs for the rest of the season so sorry to sorry to get a little bit serious on it but uh that that's really been my feelings for them for the past several weeks yeah i mean they've they've been able to block those distractions out for the most part but uh Definitely. Uh, I don't know if Wednesday's result was related to that in any way, but um, it is something that really helps us. And it, probably the biggest takeaway is that the results just went very well for us. Um, now we have the inside track on at least number two in the West, and there's still a shot at number one. Um, important to remember that should it come down to tiebreakers, if we end on the same points as Real Monarchs, they're probably going to have more wins than us because wins is the primary tiebreaker. Um, you know, they also have us on head-to-head. So we we really just have to have more points than Monarchs because we would lose any tiebreaker against them. Um, as far as Orange County, maybe that could end up better in the tiebreaker department. But, um, but we do have the best goal differential in the Western Conference now. So that's pretty fun. And actually, the second best in the league, only behind mm-hmm. FCC. So... Uh, cool stuff there looking like it's going to be close in the bottom of the Western Conference uh, between Reno, St. Louis and San Antonio Um, it's surprising to see Reno slip all the way down to 7th but they just haven't been able to string wins together and with Portland 2 and Swope Park coming into form Reno has a lot to do at the end of this season and uh, they got to they got to stay focused if they want to make top eight. Um, I'm hoping St. Louis gets in, but we'll see. Yeah, and yeah. it's a and we don't we don't want to ignore the, the uh, OKC Energy either. I mean, they're they're a, a little bit below San Antonio, but after these two matches that San Antonio has to play against Real Monarchs and of course us, uh, it's 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 going to be kind of an interesting uh, to see where they end up. OKC Energy has a great run of form in the past five games, uh, going four and one in their in their last five. So. Um, you, you never know. Personally, I think Fresno's gone, but okay, say energy. I just never want to to uh, uh, count out of bounds in any ways. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a very exciting development there. Mark, you were going to say something. Oh yeah, I was. I, I Aaron mentioned it, but uh, it's a brutal week for San Antonio, uh, especially being on the outside looking in. Uh, they they have a game in hand uh, versus St. Louis, but they have to go and play uh, Real Monarchs and us. And so it, 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 I think it's a make or break week for them. Uh, I think the top eight as it is now is probably the top eight that goes into the playoffs. Um, and so we're looking at, you know, either playing Soap Park, Reno, or St. Louis in, in that first round. But uh We'll, we'll see after this week where everyone uh, stands.
Yeah, so that's where we're at. Uh, that's kind of where we're sitting right now uh, in terms of our conference standings. Uh, let's see, we've gone through our team news. We've gone through our uh, Firebird soccer update for our all of our town folks here. And uh, uh, now we're heading off to uh, we're heading uh, to uh, a Wednesday match, our final dollar beer night of the uh, uh, the final dollar beer night of the year. And uh, our last chance for some some dollar beer night magic on a Wednesday uh, against RGV. Uh, RGV, who is really one of our been one of our basement dwellers the entire season, uh, but they are they have some scariness to them. Uh, they couldn't put together a win at the beginning of the season hardly, but they drew and drew and drew and drew, uh, including a draw against. Uh, against us when we visited them uh, way down in the deep of uh, the deep south of Texas. Uh, what should we be expecting, uh, Mark? What are you thinking that this this match is going to look like as as we welcome RGV? I think uh, it's going to look a lot like a previous match against uh, RGV when we went down to uh, their stadium, and uh, at that point, we I, I think we were all expecting a pretty dominant win, but they held us. Uh, well, and it turned out to be a squirrel's draw. So I expect them to uh, sit back again. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna give us possession. You know, it's just gonna be a matter of uh, for Phoenix who takes that dominant step and who who makes that you know game changing pass uh, that allows us to open the game. Because I think if we uh, get that first goal early or even early in the second half, I think. That, that'll force Rio Grande to uh, open up and, you know, it may be like a situation with Colorado where once we get that first goal, it just all, all comes out. Yeah. So this week is actually um, uh, being a Wednesday game is actually a game of the week. It's going to be featured on ESPN three uh, available on fire TV and Apple TV and Google Chromecast and Roku and Xbox 360 and Xbox one. And so we have the opportunity to really have, have a few eyes on this particular match um so that so that should be nice if we can get some additional exposure for for our team there um in terms of uh sort of bunkering uh, are we should we be expecting a six man back here <laughs> i don't know i mean our is coming into this this match with uh uh, only one win in their last six matches uh, one win one draw the rest losses in their last six matches um which include uh matches against san antonio they did beat Orange County, which gave us a, a really great little boost there. They drew against Galaxy. Uh, they lost to OKC. They lost to Sacramento. They lost to Las Vegas. Any any and any team that loses to Las Vegas, you know, it's just you know that must be the dregs of something or another. Yeah, I mean, we we should be winning this match. Um, you know, don't take this team for granted because they did beat OC two nil and mm -hmm. drew us. And I think Chance is going to tell the guys that they can't take this match for granted because of what happened down in South Texas, because of what happened less than two weeks ago uh, in Orange County. So I think they'll be focused. I think they'll make sure that they come out strong. And I would expect something like a 2-0. Yeah, I will mention that uh, Rising is only one and th or is is one. Yeah, uh, one oh and three. So one win, three draws in the last four meetings against RGV. So this team does tend to rise to the occasion when when they're playing against the rising. 
counterpoint, it's dollar beer night, and we have never uh, done anything but win. All we do is win, no matter what. So, Sam, you got to make every playoff home match a dollar beer night. Just saying. Sam, I hear him calling you out on that. Uh, talking to Sam Dor, our vice vice president of marketing, and then uh, uh, I love that idea. Endorse it very, very wholeheartedly. <laughs> oh, man. Unfortunately, being uh, as that I am generally on the field, I don't get to partake in that dollar beer night in any way, shape, or form. But it is a lot of fun to photograph. <laughs> uh, so. Folks to look out for on RGV, um, uh, they have a uh, their top scorer has five goals on the year. Uh, last night, his that's uh, Enriquez. Uh, following him is uh, Quintanilla with four goals, and then Wharton and Zaldivar um, with three goals each. This is not a high-scoring offense by any means. Mm -hmm. They are a defense uh, defense first team. Uh, we should expect to see potentially a low-scoring game. Uh, because, like I said, I it, it just seems to me they're going to put six people at the back um, and they're just going to try and play on the counter or, or play long balls uh, because that seems to be the style that they play. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we also have a match on Saturday against San Antonio this week. And uh, I would I would expect a different kind of match than the 4-0 that we put on them recently. Yeah, I mean, go in, for in, it. We're we're heading we're heading to, off to their house, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're heading off to their house. Um, they're going to be smarting from us. They're potentially smarting from going to be smarting from a, a really tough match with uh, Real Monarchs as well. Uh, I have a feeling that they're going to be looking to get the payback um, that they were hoping for for us taking their players, taking their marketing guy, uh, and, and everything else. But it, it should be an entertaining game to be watching, uh, and it's definitely one that's, that that if you have a chance to make it out to a a watch party or get your own folks together and, you know, commandeer your own sports bar, it's definitely going to be one uh, that, that we will hopefully remember for a while. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know that San Antonio is going to be coming out strong, wanting uh, wanting payback for that 4-0. Um, I don't think we need to get too much into, like, the players that they have. Uh, I would have to imagine Restrepo starts getting a keeper for them because we talked about all these guys very recently. Um, so I don't think we need to go in depth like that. Just that I would expect a much closer, uh, much lower scoring match in this one than, than really that exceptional result we had. Yeah. Just one note for them. Uh, Omar Gordon, who I thought was their most dangerous player uh, in that four nil win uh, was called up to his national team uh, for this, uh, FIFA international window. So he will not be available. Um, that, that's a quite a break for us. Uh, and, and one less guy to worry about. Yeah. And we did also forget uh, to mention our own call-ups that we were, that we have from our, our team. Uh, I was very fortunate to watch uh, for the first time, Kevon Lambert play in the, uh, the, CONCACAF Gold Cup when they came and visited Phoenix. Uh, got some great photos of him. And then when uh, we announced that we were signing him to our squad, uh, 
I was like, hey, I've seen that guy already. Uh, <laughs> so congratulations to uh, Kevon Lambert, uh, um, who gets a call up with uh, with Jamaica, as well as Dallas J, who played last night, uh, played on Sunday, and was able to take a was Mark was that a four nil or four one? Four nil. Uh, so. Um, so Dallas J ends up uh, picking up a clean sheet for the Protectorate of Guam. I don't know what they call that anymore, but for, for Guam and his national team. So that's great. Yeah, super cool. And uh, hopefully, I mean, it's just nice to see Dallas J get some recognition and get some time uh, on the field because uh, I was definitely hoping to see him in, uh, in a couple matches this year and, yeah, and unfortunately, seems like that may not be the case with Phoenix. Um, Did he play one of the U.S. Open Cup matches? No, we only had one, and that was Carl. Oh, that's right. That was Carl. I <sighs> don't want to remember that. <laughs> See, I, forgot, I forgot it already. I forgot it already. I, I was like there at midfield right next to Kyle Kepner, so no forgetting that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, crazy ending, yeah, all that. Um. Well, now that we got our national team call-ups out of the way, the uh, previews for San Antonio. Aaron, you are a uh, expert prognosticator after that four-one prediction over against San Antonio. Do you do you want to grace us with your knowledge for these two matches? Oh my goodness! So so we have a uh, we got a dollar beer night against a defensive-minded team. I think we win two nil. Um, I think we score a quick one early and, and one very, very late. Uh, and once again, uh, the Phoenix Rising photographer, Kyle Davison, gets drenched in, in Bandito's beer uh, one more time on the season. Um, the, that poor kid, he's, he's, I, I believe he's 18 years old, um, and I'm sure he was hoping that he was not going to get pulled over on the ride home because he stunk to high heaven when that happened. Uh, but I uh, love the guy. I love my photographer friends down there on the field. So uh, Against the San Antonio, um, boy, I, I'm thinking we're going to draw. I think we'll draw against uh, San Antonio maybe 1-1. Yeah, that sounds pretty fair, um, regardless of whether Blackman is in our lineup or not. Um I think that's actually the number I would have given too. Um, we're not going to be able to score goals the way that we did that last time, um, and I, I think the two nil was what I was thinking against RGV. Maybe we can pour on three or four though. I mean, it's Colorado Springs was a defensive-minded team, and we did that to them. So, yeah, if we get if, if we are uh, if we get another red card, uh, that will certainly help as well. <laughs> Definitely. Um, did you guys have anything we uh, need to discuss before we kind of get to like a couple final open-ended uh, closing thoughts? No, I think we got it. We got everything that we were planning. Yeah, I think we got it all. Two things to think about just before we finish things up. I saw a huge thread online about, um, you know, indoor versus outdoor stadium. Um, you know, what is needed for MLS? Do we need indoor for MLS? Would you rather be indoor versus outdoor? All this stuff. It must have been at least 50 tweets. Uh, I saw all these notifications really late, but um, I think it's a, a fair thing 
to discuss because it could have impacts on our on our MLS uh, chances. Do you think it has any impact? I mean, that's a fair question too. I don't know. It's tough for me. I, I think that the MLS is looking for anywhere that they can uh, that they can promote their brand and, and make money. And I think Phoenix has the best demographics. And I I know I sound like a total homer, but I'm born and bred in this city. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a native Tempian. Uh, love the city. I love what the state has to offer. I think the demographics are perfect. Uh, and it just boggles my the mind to think that people think that it's okay to put teams in Houston or into Dallas or hell, even the, even LA. Uh, and that it's going to be too hot to play here. Look, MLS, if you're listening to me, we're used to the heat. We're used to it. You're not. You're a wimp. You come to Phoenix. You wear three-piece suits and ties. We don't do that. We're smarter than that. We know how to handle it. Give us our stinking team. We're going to show you that we're going to that, that we deserve it and we're going to earn it. We're not going to steal it like some other places are. There's my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think uh, if you're going to talk about earning it, I think we've done most of that already. And I think we've shown them how serious we are by uh, adding Alex Zung to the ownership group, um, by getting Sam Dor, by treating the players like they're already in, in MLS. Um I think all those steps are there. I think we're just waiting on um, on that final approval, really, from from MLS. And I'm with you. You know, whether it is temperature controlled indoor, or or like even if it's outdoor, but they have a lot of cooling in place, like the original model we got. I think either way, people are going to show up. It's it's going to be fine. And all this talk about we can't only have night matches is pretty ridiculous because the MLS season runs from like march to october so you're gonna have those day matches in march in april and may in october if you want that's like half the season right right there so okay we can home load those stretches of the season if we have to play outdoors and then play night matches for those few months i i don't understand what the what the hang-up is about oh my goodness we're gonna have no opportunity to play day matches and how bad is that going to be for tv i don't even think it's going to matter much because quite frankly there are only so many teams that get a lot of the tv matches regardless um i don't think phoenix would be one of those teams uh right away so what does it what does it matter we can still play day matches when we're on the road and i'd imagine most of our summer will be spent on the road so i i don't think there's any issues with the outdoor model that we showed but is it something in don garber's mind possibly and if that's the case i would imagine our front office is working on a fully indoor model um i also don't understand like some people on that thread like soccer doesn't belong indoors at all like soccer i mean if, if people are going to go watch it it doesn't really matter I kind of like outdoor more because, you know, the elements are part of the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, we're, build the field and people will come. So uh, I, I don't have any hang up on, like, oh, it has to be outdoor. Um, because if it's indoor, I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to be there no matter what. I think a lot of people will be there no matter what. So um, 
I don't. I think. I mean, we already are there. I mean, we're yeah. we're going to the rising matches. We know what it what it's like. And I gotta tell you, when the sun is down and it's eight o'clock and it's a hundred degrees, it's gorgeous. I mean, it really is really nice. If you get a little bit of breeze, you get a little sweat on you, fine. You know, maybe your girlfriend's going to be a little bit uncomfortable or whatever. But once you start screaming, when uh, once, uh, you know, we, we score and somebody throws some beer up in the air and it, it's, it gets on her to cool her off, it's going to be fantastic. Mark, do you have anything to add on this subject? Uh, I, I would just echo you. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter, indoor, outdoor, uh, I, th I think that the fans will show up. You know, ASU plays uh, their football games outdoor, and uh, I don't think that dissuades many people from going. And so um, I, I know, you know, we shouldn't expect an announcement anytime soon. I, I still think Phoenix is top top two, at least, in, uh, in the expansion, you know, rankings of who, who gets in next. So it'll be interesting to see. And, um, you know, I would love an outdoor stadium. I understand why indoor stadium would be preferable to some people and some officials. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes down the pipe in the next three or so months. For sure. I think that's all that needs to be said, really. Um, the process will sort itself out, and I have full confidence that our front office our ownership group is going to do what it takes to check the boxes off. Um, one other thing that wasn't mentioned as much online, but I think is just a fair open question. What's going on with Drogba and when is he going to play? Well, we know at least October 13th he'll play. Uh, now that's uh, scheduled to be his last uh, regular season game as as a player and um i think you know i don't think there's any rush to bring it back uh if we were hurting for a forward I, I i think we'd probably see him but right now at this stage in his career i don't think there's a rush and you know when when he plays he'll play uh and, and personally i'm i'm content with that i'm not uh in a hurry to see him play I, I just want to enjoy uh, the time he has left. And if that's one game, so be it. If that's five, that'd be great. I think it's going to be a uh, – I, I think there's – if we see him, we're only going to be seeing him in relief at this point. Um, I think the problem is is that we only have a few – first of all, we're playing fantastic. So uh, do we need him? The answer is no. Would it be great to have him? Yes. Would it help to draw more people to Phoenix Rising Football Complex? No, we're filling the place up as it is. So uh, I, I think he's sort of served his purpose at this point. And I think that, that there, there's a concern maybe on his, on his part and the rest of the ownership group's part is that if he plays in two or three games here and somebody takes in a hard tackle, well, now he's not available for that October 13th game. Now he doesn't get the proper send-off that he deserves uh, for not only a fantastic career, but for doing what he's done for us here in Phoenix. Uh, so I, I think the problem is, is if he's on the field, then it's going to be a big uh, field that we need to protect him against injury uh, so that he can play on that October 13th game and have the hoopla and the international media and everybody else that's going to show up uh, to be part of that event. Men and Blazers. <laughs> uh, have they announced if they're coming? 
uh, they said they wanted to come. And uh, then Sam Dore said, let's make it happen in October. And then uh, one of them was joking, like, when, when is Everton off? And I was like, October 13th, I think. Or October 6th. It was like one of those days Everton isn't playing, so he'll be in a good mood. Um, but, uh, yeah, so hopefully they get out there. But um, in, in any case, we want to see Drogba. But I think you guys make good points that he doesn't want to mess with like the team chemistry and what's going on right now. And you want him to be able to play on October 13th. And I guess the the follow up to that is if he doesn't play until, you know, close to October 13th, maybe he only makes a couple sub appearances before that. Then what's our playoff starting 11? I honestly think it's a little too far away to uh, to predict. I, I'm guessing it'll be most of the 11 that has played this year, you know. You have your undroppables in Asante and Musa, uh, and Cortez, um, and then Defont, uh, Defont and Dia, most likely on the back line. Um, but there's still so much that can happen between now and then. And is but is Drogba part of that eleven? I think is the big question because we always, I think at least I always assumed. Okay, let him take his time during the regular season so he's strong in the playoffs. But now you see him more in like a coaching role on the sidelines, and there's no rush to bring him back. And you have a lot of guys that are capable, and there's a lot of good chemistry up front. Is he even going to be in the starting eleven in the playoffs? I mean, it's or or does he say, "Look, that was my send off. That's that's the send off. I'm not." You know, I'm not suiting up for this for this team. Yeah, that's a very very interesting perspective. But again, we've done really well without him. Uh, we're not lacking for offense. We're not lacking for a big body up front. Chris Cortez has really stepped into that role very very well. Um, so maybe we just let him step back into that coaching role at, where he's given some halftime speeches and and working on some things in in session, kind of in that almost Omar Bravo-ish role that, that he had toward the end of last year where he was really working as a mentor uh, toward Chris Cortez and the other Hispanic players uh, in, as opposed to um, contributing on the field. I don't know. It's a good question. Well, and, and the thought of Drogba even as a sub in the playoffs is exciting. Uh, I don't think there's many players in the world uh, that'd be willing to play in USL that you'd want coming off the bench uh, in the playoffs. Uh, he, he has a pretty long history of scoring some important goals. Uh, so, you know, it, as long as he sees the field at some point, I, uh, I'll be glad. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, at this point, let's just get to closing thoughts. Thank you both for contributing to a great episode today. Um, and for making the most of not having rising matches to talk about. So what are you guys' closing thoughts? Mark, go for, why don't you go first? All right. Um, closing thoughts. I, I, I'll take uh, another look at GCU, uh, especially their men's soccer program. And the exciting time, you know, it's been uh, four or five years of this uh, growth into Division One and, and just becoming a presence in in Arizona for college soccer and uh, 
They have a uh, huge match in two weeks at home against Akron, which is a really a college soccer powerhouse. And uh, it'll be, I'll be uh, most likely going to that game. It'll be exciting to see just the atmosphere uh, of college uh, soccer. I'll agree, you know, as we're sort of transitioning, uh, uh, winding up the USL season, it's, it is really fun to be able to see how much soccer is going on uh, from the youth uh, rec, youth club, uh, to, uh, to collegiate. And uh, things are really, uh, really going really very, very well in terms of developing soccer culture in the Phoenix area. So uh, highly recommend you get out to a match, any match, uh, chant, yell, scream. Um, and enjoy what what we have to offer here in the fall. So it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to sound like a broken record when things are all going very well uh, with the team and with soccer in Arizona in general. Um, GCU getting off to their good start, too. Uh, um, and, and just after sporting AZ, almost won the entire UPSL. So uh, things are going very well in the state of Arizona for soccer um, and for Phoenix Rising in particular. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to another great home match, and we really got to start savoring these because there are only four more in the regular season. Um, after, after Wednesday, we have three straight away matches. We don't get another home match until the end of September. We have the 29th. We have to wait a long time. So really savor this one on Wednesday. Um, get the most out of it uh, because we're going to have a little bit of rising withdrawals after this uh, before that fun run in to end the season. So uh, I think all I got to say is things are pretty good and uh, just do everything you can to make sure that they stay good. Amen to that. Absolutely. So that'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you for listening, and thank you to our sponsor, Arizona Soccer Complex, for helping us out. Um, located in Glendale with AC, uh, right by the 101 and the 17. They have indoor leagues for everyone. Um, if you let them know that the Rising is One podcast sent you, they'll give you a discount on your annual membership. So go up there, get started. Indoor soccer is a blast, and... Uh, that's all I got. Thanks for listening. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.